0: And that's a powerful intention. And that's a mantle that I feel honored and blessed to pick up in the storytelling. You know, with my experiences being a black woman growing up in American culture and the legacy that we're dealing with, this is an opportunity where people are now open to listening and to receiving that truth. This is Life Transformation Radio. Prepare to engage. Seatbelt activated. 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 Download initiated. Initiate. Your quantum journey of transformation begins in 3, two, 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 one.
1: Hi, I'm Rob Actis. Welcome to Life Transformation Radio. I want to give a big shout out to all of my high school friends from Sarah High School, especially the class of 1982. All of the warm and loving comments about Carol and me were so very kind and definitely appreciated. Touch my heart, as a matter of fact. Now, this two-part episode, the conclusion, which is happening today, of my dear friend Carol Foreman, really brought back so many great memories of high school and, and just life in general. And I can see from your comments, it really brought back incredible, nice, warm, loving memories from my fellow Sarah alumni as well. Now, as we rejoin the conversation with Carol, we're very eager to pick up right where we left off. We'll be diving deeper into her captivating journey of life. Now, before we do that, let's take a moment to appreciate the resilience and the tenacity that Carol has shown throughout her career. Her experiences not only reflect her personal growth, but also illuminate the broader challenges and triumphs faced by artists everywhere. Today, we'll be peeling back more layers of Carol's rich story, uncovering further insights into how she navigated the ebbs and flows of her artistic path. Now, whether you're an aspiring artist a seasoned professional, or simply someone who appreciates the profound impact of the arts, there is definitely something in the conversation that I'm having with Carol for you. Now let's rejoin our conversation with the absolutely inspirational Carol Foreman.
0: I knew somehow something was going to work out, if not that. And indeed, I went and I um I went to SeaWorld and there was a show uh playing there called Up With People which is completely in alignment with who I am. You know, a group of people singing and dancing, talking about equality and- I remember- I happy, remember wonderful people and we should all yeah. get along. So I went and I was obsessed. I sat there and watched every single show. They said you could interview to be a member. Very
1: but, colorful outfits. They Very wore. colorful. Very yeah. Colorful our, outfits. Uh, our
0: year, unfortunately they had us in bow Peep outfits. So it was very strange. <laughs> oh. And, uh, and I made it and I traveled with them for almost about a year and a half. They hired me back as an assistant dance captain and then a recruiter from, uh, USIU.
1: Okay. So let me, yeah, go go back. let me go back in time. So I want to, I want to lay this down. So, so you went to SeaWorld mm-hmm. and you washed up with yeah. people and then you became fascinated by them. And then what happened?
0: And then what happened is they had an invitation for people to interview for the show. And so I spoke to my dad and I said, I'm going to interview. And I went and I interviewed, and I was notified a few months later that I was accepted. And the other obstacle to that was it was a lot of money <laughs> to join this group. Uh, oh, you had to pay? Probably, you had to pay to be a part of it. They did not pay you. They touted it as an educational experience. And so my dad made an agreement. He said, look, if you go to do this, because it's a lot of money, it was $5,000, I think which is, again, a wow. lot of money.
1: He says, That's you have a lot, to lot at- of money.
0: Yeah, my dad said, you have to at least enroll in a community college for a year, and then I'll pay your way. Because I was doing everything. I was going to uh, women's organizations. I was speaking at places. People would donate money to me. Uh, my mom didn't think anyone was going to give me any money. But then I went and I spoke to this group of women, and people would come up to where I was sitting, where me and my mom were sitting and they would hand me checks, hundreds of dollars, give me cash. And my mom stood up and said, I really didn't think anyone was going. I, d- I didn't think anyone did this kind of stuff, uh, especially for young people. And I just wanted to thank you. She was moved. She was shocked that I could get up in front of people. I'm glad talk to them about what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad so that, because
1: that's significant because one of the things about you is that one, you never stopped. And I know you had, you know, different challenges growing up and you never stopped. You had the Bank of America and mm-hmm. devastating. You didn't stop. You you were bold to go to your parents and say, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm not going to college. <laughs> I know we don't have any money yeah. for me to go to college, but I need $5,000 to go sing and dance with up and people. Yeah. That's yeah, the dude. most incredible thing I've ever seen in my yeah. life.
0: My mom was you not know, happy about it.
1: <laughs> but you yes. are. You radiate this energy and your people are drawn to you and they want to support you and they want to help you because of your heart centered energy that you've always had. I appreciate And you that. continue to have. And I think that's what opens the doors for a lot of opportunity for you because, you know, in this, you know, I'm a SAG actor just like you or brother and sister in this group. And it's not the most talented person who gets the roles. It's the yeah. people that they want to work with. Yeah, because there's yeah. some real asshole actors out there that they work one time and they're not going to work again. People, yeah. it's a small community, and if if you're not fun to work with, or not professional, or not serious about your craft, yeah, you're as a matter how talented you are. And maybe if you're a list actor, you could get away with a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. if you're not an a list actor, um, it's if they like you. It really is if they like you.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's all about how you want to be treated. And how you treat other people. And I think I learned that early on. And especially, you know, the lessons of doing different, uh, jobs within the profession, you know, knowing what it's like to do someone's costume, to dress them, having to do their laundry, <laughs> you know, working out lighting design, you know, taking care of the people on stage, uh, working with sound, you know, making sure people's microphones are working so they can, you know, it's, it's, it's a collaborative, uh, endeavor, you know, we're all and everyone has their own uh artistry that they're contributing to to telling a story or to making something happen it's no individual person and i think as an actor if you just kind of are just an actor it's easy for it to become self-consuming you know because th- you have no objectivity right. this is this is all you're dealing with and everyone's paying attention to you so you maybe you get in your mind well of course it's about me but it's there's a, always a much bigger picture and um so uh, and it's funny, and I, I appreciate you uh, taking me through this process because I have to it gives me an opportunity to look back on the young, the younger version of myself and just appreciate that I was still willing to move forward. Um, and I think part of that resilience is also credited to my parents. When we were young and experiencing racism, my parents had us down and said, you're not. Better than anyone else, but you're not less than anyone else. You're a human being, and you are worthy of dignity and respect, and to live a. That's full really life.
1: beautiful. That's that's really beautiful.
0: So um, I took that to heart, and I believed it, and uh, and I think I'm just you know I'm I'm always trying to look for the positive. I mean, there are definitely times I get down on myself and I think, oh, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time. Maybe you know, maybe my mom was right. Maybe I'm wasting my time being an actor and I should get married and just settle down and get a real job. And, you know, you go, you go through those periods. That's, you know, I'm human just like everyone else. And, but then. So Carol. Um, yeah.
1: The acting profession is a real job.
0: It's a real job.
1: It's a real job. It's, it's just not a nine to five, but it's a real job. And I think it's harder than, you know, the one thing is, and, and I will you can you can chime in here in that mm-hmm. people don't realize if you have a job, you go to that job every day and you have a job as actors. We have a job, but then like we know every job we get, we know we're fired and then we have to go get the next job, even mm-hmm. in the middle or at the end of the job. And there's right. no guarantees so like as soon as you get a job, you now know, okay, great, I'm already fired. And I'm like, <laughs> you're looking job. for the next one. Yeah. You're yeah. looking for the
0: next and one. And people
1: you know, people go hunting for jobs and and you know, it's so stressful. I gotta find a job. We're looking for jobs multiple times a day. Absolutely. And it it it's I think it's r- more rigorous than a job because we have you know, there's the illusion in a in a, in a nine-to-five job of stability. And mm-hmm. there is not really stability in the corporate world, but there's no stability as an actor. It's not. At any moment, you know, you know if you're, you know, you're in show and that show's over in two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's over in two weeks. And now you have to have something else because that's the way it works.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's one way it works. Um, I've, I've come to the point to where you, you have to set up your business. You have to also find multiple streams yeah. of income, you know, um, multiple streams. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, also being very flexible, you know, I, acting was my foundation. When I came to LA, I realized a lot of people expected me to sing being a woman of color. They assumed I grew up in a gospel choir and from birth knowing how to sing. I didn't. <laughs> well, they, they I think realized, you're Billie
1: Holiday or something?
0: Or something, yeah. So I learned how to sing because I knew <laughs> I was going to. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, you know, doing voiceover, doing audiobooks, uh, commercials is a great way. Some actors are very poo poo on commercials, but one or two commercials can be your income for, if not one year, multiple years. Yeah. So I'm never dismissive of, of any opportunity that I have. Um, also, I incorporated, I've been incorporated a couple of times, but especially with the tax law changes in California, which made it yeah. Impossible for you to deduct your business expenses unless, of course, you're incorporated. Yeah. So it's it's learning right. to manage as a business. I've also moved into wanting to do more producing and getting back end payments on things. I had written a piece, uh, writing any type. Anytime you're creating content, these things are of value. So you're looking at things that are of value Absolutely. and play to your talents. And so, you know, like you, you've published a book, you have your podcast, you do audiobooks. So your you're fingers in many different things because you have those skills, Rob, you've developed. And that's what you lean yeah, into. Multiple
1: streams of income. Yeah. Thank you. Multiple stream, streams of income. Multiple streams of income are so important for Absolutely. everybody, even if you have a, a job. And um, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I've done it in the no. past. I will <laughs> never do it. You know, I will tell you, me. I have a good friend. I have a good friend. Her name is Honoré Corder. And she has, I think, 53 streams oh, of my residual goodness. income. that She has different streams. Uh, that's, my, that's my goal. Ooh. I'm not quite there, but I do have a lot of streams of income. And yeah. it, it takes a lot of stress out of your life.
0: Yeah,
1: It's a lot of work, but it takes a lot of stress. Out of your yeah. life and I will tell you so and it brings you a lot of joy to not have to be stressed about stuff and I will say mm-hmm. as my Especially transition to this we talked about <laughs> yeah Billie Holiday so Billie Holiday is my my one of my most favorite um, recording artists like I I loved Billie Holiday in eighth grade. Like I I could have yeah. shared Billie Holiday with you. I might have, I don't know. I I kind of kept it a little bit of a secret because people gave me crap when I shared that I liked Billie Holiday. Those you were ahead of your time, People over and I'm like, to yeah, Holiday.
0: You were just ahead of your on time. On a record.
1: <laughs> I was listening on a record. Uh, Billie Holiday. Well, the transition here with Billie Holiday is that the incredibly talented Carol Foreman is performing at the Signet Theater in Old Town. And the dates are?
0: January 27th through February 18th at uh, signet.org. Wow.
1: You got to get yeah. tickets. First of all, um, it's an incredible show. It's Billie Holiday in Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. Correct. I saw this come across my feed and I'm like, Billy Holiday. Then I said, and they said, Carol Foreman. I'm like, yes. Like that was the quickest, I love theater. That was the oh. quickest, quickest ticket purchase I've ever made in my life. Like I'm so ever. thrilled, And I'm, I'm so, so excited to come see you.
0: Thank you. I'm so, very excited to do the show, Rob. I'm very excited.
1: It's, it's only you and another uh, actor, the piano player. Correct. So if you don't, if you're not familiar with Billy Holiday, just give an just a little insight of Billie Holiday and what the significance of this last day at Emerson's Bar and Grill is.
0: Well, Billie Holiday um, is, I think, one of the greatest artists, American jazz artists of the twentieth century. Amen. Um, yeah, she's Amen. she's timeless, and I think she's remembered because of her artistry. People know her as. Having been addicted to heroin, um the problems that she had with the feds, um, you know, her her legendary, you know, persona. Um, but I think in this production, we are really celebrating her as a triumphant human being, which I think is also appropriate for this po- podcast, the epitome of uh, right. uh, a woman of color at the time that she was born. Uh, with the limitations, extraordinary limitations placed on just her humanity, um, what she was able to transcend and leave behind as uh, her legacy. And so that's what we're celebrating in this production of Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. And I've had the great fortune of uh, having performed this role since 2019 in about four other productions. So this will be our fifth production of Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. And I won a Ovation Award in 2019, Los Angeles Ovation Award for Best Actress in a Musical in this role. And it's, it's really been the highlight of my career.
1: Well, I'm going to play a little sample of you, Carol Foreman, as Billie Holiday in Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. And I will tell you, when I heard this, the first thing was I had tears come out of my eyes because two of my most favorite people oh. were were there in spirit. So like Billie Holiday, like, oh, I love, I listened to Billie Holiday just a couple hours ago this morning when I woke up. And then here we are talking about, you know, I'm, so it's Billie Holiday. I love her. I love you. You're amazing. So two of my most favorite people and tears came out of my eyes. And then the next thing was, oh man, Carol's going to be up here being Billie Holiday. She's going to see me in the freaking audience because I'm in row two. And uh, I'm going to be crying. Like there are going to be tears, but I'm, I'm going to cry. When I first talked to her. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to cry. Uh, I just, you know, one, because of who you are and they get, they get to support you in your, Aww. your performance. And that's, that's a humble honor. And two,
0: I'm really moved
1: because Thank it's Billie so Holiday that. and three, because you are so incredibly talented.
0: Thank you, my friend. Thank that's, I'm really moved by that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.
1: This is Carol Foreman as Billie Holiday in Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill.
0: Them that's got shall have. Them that's not shall lose. So the Bible said, and it still is news. Mama may have, Papa may have, but God bless the child. Got his own. That's got his own. God bless the child that's got his own. That's got his own.
1: Oh great! Thanks a lot. Tears running <laughs> down my eyes. <laughs> uh, well, what,
0: thanks. Well, what I love, <laughs> what I love about performing um, these songs is uh, the stories that are connected to them. Um, the show is interwoven with stories about her life, and and it's actually based on a, a real life incident. Um, Lanny Robertson, who wrote the show based it on a story that a friend of his who had seen one of Billy's last performances in this little dive bar. And it was as her career was on the descent at this time. And there were only about a half dozen people in the audience. So this is the idea is that wow. it's a midnight show at midnight. Uh, performers at that time could work blue, which means they could curse and, you know, really right. get down and dirty. So we are, uh, this is the midnight show. This is the midnight Ramble. That's midnight my ram- kind of show. I'm yeah, they call it the midnight it. ramble uh, in the business, and wow. you know where she gets loose and she gets personal about her life with the audience. So you know, I'm actually I'm talking. So I'll be talking to you <laughs> as you know, during the show. So I'm. Uh, it's a very intimate uh, conversation that she's having with a handful of people. So that's one of the things that we're also attempting to communicate with this piece is like you're having a one-on-one. Experience with Billie Holiday, and this uh, this is takes place also four months before her death, where she dies at the age of forty four. Wow. So she's actually, she's, you know, uh, this is her reckoning. Understand? She just lost her best friend, uh, 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 Prez. Um, uh, yeah. Oh gosh. My brain. I'm just reading a book. Lester Young. Forgive me. Um, she's just come from the funeral, and in actually uh, uh, writings about her, when she was in the limo driving away from the funeral, she said to, she turned to her companion and said, "You know, I'm next. You know, they came for Lester. I'm next." Um, so she's aware of uh, of her mortality. Um, so this is she's singing. You know, she's fighting for her life in this incarnation. So, um, it's, it's, to me, it's really profound and it's, it's humbling too, you know, to represent a great <laughs> talent and a great spirit and a great icon. And so I'm doing my best to stay out of her way, uh, as I'm, as we're, uh, telling and sharing her story.
1: Wow. Now, is she telling the story? So we're in a time machine going back to the midnight, um, show or is she telling her story as she's like coming back and sharing her story
0: no you're there
1: okay that's cool i you'll like be that
0: there. yeah you'll be in that I love CD it. so we get little... to go back in
1: a time machine
0: yeah it's funny the show has had such an interesting journey initially when we did the show at international city theater in long beach uh the 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 the, the Show was kind of pressed forward, so the set itself was closer to the audience, and we had tables and chairs on stage, and actually, audience members were able to sit on stage with me as we were doing the show. I would have been so
1: there, so yes, yeah, so
0: there. So it was great just to interact with people. Then, uh, then we moved to the Ebony Rep. Same situation. The week, two weeks after we closed the show, the pandemic hit. And, wow. and then we, we had, had had three other theaters reach out to us about doing the show. You know, of course that all went away. Then towards the end of the pandemic, right. as theaters were starting to open up, we started to get some of those invitations, uh, back to do the show. But this time, you know, we're now further back and the audience is further away. You have to have 10 feet between you and the audience could have no one on stage. Um, and I could, and I, I would also walk out into the audience, into the aisles, uh, to interact with people, I couldn't walk into the aisles. So the hardest thing was trying to retain that intimacy with people because it is an intimate show with them being so far away. Um, and I think we accomplished right. that uh, fairly successful. Then Florida, we went and it was a small theater, but the audience had to wear masks and I had to still maintain about six feet from them. But now here in Old Town, where we, we don't have people up on the stage, but because of the way the space is configured, it feel, when I walked into the theater, into Signet Theater, I just thought, oh, I felt like I was coming home. I mean, I am literally coming home, but coming back to the original intention of really reclaiming that physical intimacy with people. And that's one of the things I'm most excited about, because Billie Holiday talks about how much she loves People, She loves singing for her friends. And so this is an intimate night with Billie Holiday singing for her friends and telling people about her journey, her obstacles. And one of the things, Rob, you talk about the resilience of people. What I love about Billie Holiday was her sense of humor which was so surprising yeah. to me. You know, she's not she's not this dark person that leans into it. I mean, there's certainly tremendous amount of darkness in her life and you can understand I can understand. I have empathy for why she yeah. reached for chemical substances. But her yeah. just her wry sense of humor and and just how the way that she sees the absurdity of things, she is so keenly aware of that and and embraces that and acknowledges that too. And and how she is functioning uh, within her reality and some of the horribly you know, tragic things that happened to her.
1: Yeah, one of the things, she kind of reminds me, similar, but just kind of like the way that she was so, at every turn, Mm-hmm. People were messing with her. Like just if mm-hmm. they could destroy her, uh, Lenny Bruce, very similar mm-hmm. in Lenny Bruce, you oh, know, yeah, and, the then, and then, and then shutting him down and just, w- they were, they had enemies. But and, you know, that's so tragic. She was so talented. I, I, if I am correct, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, she sold out Carnegie Hall. Yeah,
0: she did. Yeah. And this was when she was just released from prison she didn't know yep. if people would remember her. She was banned because she had a federal offense. She was banned from performing in any of the nightclubs in New York City. And that was how she made her money. You know, she's not like us. You right. could have all these multiple streams of income, you know, right. after having. Yeah, they were felony. doing everything
1: they could to shut her down. Yeah, exactly. the,
0: the head of the, the FBI, the, you know, at the time who was a rabid racist um, and Billy, Hall, you know, they were really trying to make uh, an example of of jazz right. musicians but billy holiday was an easy target she was a woman she was a black woman right. she was you know we knew she had a well-known drug addiction for which she was trying to get treatment for so what they yeah. did was they they took her cabaret card which uh you know a musician traveling around maybe on the road a cop could pull over at any time Get, ask for identification, if they saw a cabaret card, they could confiscate it. And before you did any gig, you had to show this cabaret card. So a lot of prominent jazz music, like Louis Armstrong, had his cabaret card revoked. Um, I'm trying to think of almost any Black musician at the time, from the 30s and 40s, at some point has usually had their cabaret card suspended or revoked for a period of time. If these artists had enough money, they could usually buy it back from the said cops. Billie Holiday, they kept hers for 10 years, which kept her from working in the clubs for 10 years. That's why a, friend, a group of friends of hers got together and booked her Carnegie Hall. And we talk about this in the show as well. Yeah, and she sold it out, I think a couple of times, actually. And it was stunning to her. They said, she said <laughs> she was so nervous uh, that she stuck the flowers in her hair with the pins still in it. And yeah. it got, and you know, you bleed heavily from the scalp. She said she was glad she was wearing a black dress because she, she was so nervous before she stepped out on stage. She said her knees were knocking together, but also she had stuck the flowers in her hair that caused her to bleed. So she had blood while she was poor performing. She did the whole set without a break. She walked off stage and she passed out. That's yeah. how nervous she was. Uh, to perform that gig, but the reception that she got was astonishing. People had not forgotten her. People had not That's forgotten so her. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And she was, she was a remarkable woman in the more research that I do, because I still read books, I'm still doing research and there's more coming out about her life. And, uh, you know, of course there's, uh, you know, with uh, the, uh, the United States versus Billie Holiday illuminated, uh, some of those things. Uh, Audra McDonald, you know, of course, winning the Tony for, for uh, recently playing her a number of years ago. So there's, you know, more conversation and more interest around her coming again. And I think that's wonderful as many opportunities to get her story out, uh, I think is also uh, revealing. Also, what's interesting too, this whole uh, going, uh, the government going after uh, musicians at the time was kind of the beginning of the war on drugs, actually. Uh, when you look back historically in terms of how they were framing the conversation uh, around uh, um, chemical substances is really quite fascinating. The policies and things that they put in place were really being uh, uh, solidified then.
1: Well, I will say that um, I have reached out to all a lot of people that I know in San Diego and said, um, you got to go see this show. Thank you. Because –
0: well, they're, they're uh, buying the tickets, brother. Thank you. And actually the tickets are good. Limited. I, I, I'm
1: making calls. <laughs> yeah, you. no. So if you're hearing this and you want to go, you're in San Diego, even if you're not, I mean, I'm in Arizona, we're driving out there. It's, it's so wow. worth it. It's, it's Billie Holiday is really special. And, you know, I feel like, um, like your fan club, like I, we have friends with the night and, a lot of people don't know who Billie Holiday is. And I was kind of embarrassed for some of my friends. They're like, they don't know who that is. And I turned them onto it and they really liked it. So we played, I played Billie Holiday. I played Etta James. I played mm-hmm. Nina Simone. Uh, I played just a lot of jazz and yeah. They'd never heard that before. And well, I'm like, you, how do you not know Billy
0: Hall Well, if you years? listen to people like Amy Winehouse and uh, Macy Gray, all of these women Absolutely. have borrowed from her vocal style. And she actually, yeah. to my ear, is the founder of this contemporary singing style that has been embraced by a lot of singers pop singers r b singers um it's it's a very contemporary sound she wasn't she wasn't this light high soprano that you were hearing um she spoke to me her voice feels like her her freedom her escape from whatever physical or emotional or Societal pain it's just it's like a deep reaching into <laughs> her humanity, her humanity and and expressing that um through her in through this particular instrument and uh, she sounds you timeless. know timeless. It's timeless. And she said she wanted to use her voice like a horn. You know, Louis Armstrong and Bessie Smith were her influence, were her influences. So, and she also, the way that she phrases things with musicians is especially with Lester Young. It's like they were musical soulmates, w- like a partner that completes your thought. Uh, and, and, you know, when I'm listening to the music and when I'm, it's not that I'm trying to do an imitation of her, but I'm trying to emulate uh, the idea of her musicality with the musicians. And and I trained. I actually worked with a vocal coach by the name of Carol Woods on her speaking voice uh, because the director and I didn't want to do an imitation of her. But I also acknowledge my own process. People are expecting, when you think of Billie Holiday, her voice is so iconic. You know, no one sounds like her. Right. That's her as a right. given. So, uh, Carol had just come off of direct, of uh, being the vocal coach for the film, uh, uh, about Harriet Tubman. So she had all of these vocal, uh, examples recorded of, of enslaved peoples from Virginia. And Billie Holiday, actually, her great grandmother, who was a slave, lived with Billie. Uh, while she was wow. nine years old at the time. And so when I heard the recording of these of these Africans in Virginia, they had the same vocal placement as Billy. And I thought, OK, uh, there's a point of entry for me in terms of approximating the placement of the sound. And also she was born in Philadelphia. She was raised in New York. So there's a certain sound and a way of speaking that goes in her ear. She sounds a little New Jersey. She sounds a little Philly. So I'm looking for the placement. I'm looking for the regional dialect that she would have grown up with and heard and also from listening to her recordings. So Carol Woods was extraordinary. And then I worked with a man by the name of Michael Scott Harris on her singing you know, in terms of placement, breath, her phrasing, her musicality. So, you know, and this I had done for months before going into the role, and I still go back to, I'm listening to audio tapes now, trying to find her voice again. Um, so without overdoing it, but just to get a sense of approximating not only, not only her sound, but why she sounds the way she does was important uh, to me in this process.
1: So you mentioned you do audiobooks and I have thirty-four audiobooks. And one of the <laughs> books I did a long time ago, a long time ago, mm-hmm. uh, was mm-hmm. uh, Napoleon Hill's book. Oh, which you one? Know, everybody talks about thinking think grow- rich. Well, you know, everybody talks about think and grow rich, right? Right. Well, he has he has other books. And the books that I, I, I did, um, it's funny because I did it a long time ago and my voice sounds a little bit different. It was in the early 90s, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Um, I love it. It was actually to tell you, to tell you <laughs> this book was not released on Audible because it didn't exist. These books were released on audio cassette.
0: Oh, so these are audio yes. sets that
1: I did. <laughs> so everybody knows Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. There's sure. a, what the ones that I did were the Master Key to Riches. Oh, and um, let's see, uh, the Master Key to Riches, and then um, I don't know, but there two of. I did two of them. But the reason I was asking is because I didn't really know who Napoleon Hill was. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Grow Rich with Peace of Mind. Hmm. By the way, if you're a Napoleon Hill fan and you read and you've read. Think and Grow Rich. I highly recommend to find the book. Um, you can actually go to Audible and get my book. It doesn't really matter, but um, hear me. You can laugh at my voice doing it. I'm, I'm but going to go here's and the cool every thing. Book, I, Oh my God, you're funny. Um, you're so sweet. Um, the, the crazy thing is, I didn't know who Napoleon Hill was. This was back in the 90s, so everybody hadn't read it. Mm-hmm. And I not only voiced the book, but I edited it and produced it. Oh,
0: wow. And wow. what they
1: gave me was samples of Napoleon Hill talking. I wanted to learn about him, right? And I fell in love with him. He's brilliant. And I wish I had those samples of him talking again. I'm still trying to find their own hard drive somewhere. Oh, you got to dig them up. The cool thing is, what's that? I said, you've got to dig those up. I know, I, I'm going to find them somewhere. They were very motivational, but the one thing that I felt was and I don't ever claim to like know anything, to do anything, if I'm on stage or write a book or whatever uh, I'm a vessel. I, I, don't, I don't get all the credit. It's not me, okay? It's channeling through me, but I don't get the credit. I'd like to take the credit, but it's really not me. When I was doing that audiobook. Napoleon Hill was coming through me in the way that I did the book and the way that I felt and the way that I thought. And so this is the longest way to get to someone. But I'm like, yeah. when you're up there, do you feel that Billy is with you? Do you feel her spirit? Is she channeling through you?
0: That's an incredible question. Um, and I want to be very careful and very mindful when I answer this question. There's art comes out of a sacred tradition, yeah. You know, we talk about the Greeks and the Romans. You know, all of these were festivals honoring their gods, honoring their ancestors, honoring the spirit of a person. And I've had this feeling a couple of times doing any of August Wilson's work and doing this show, where it feels like, my job is to get out of the way and to allow the truth of this human being to speak through you. Meryl Streep once said, I'm the voice of dead people. <laughs> I'm badly paraphrasing what she said. And I didn't understand what she meant when I heard it. This was when it was an interview in a documentary that she was doing when she was doing Mother Courage. And uh, this role, certainly alludes to that um i'm humble and i'm careful about it because i want to be respectful of whatever that is and not put any pressure i think on myself <laughs> to dig too deeply into that but to certainly maintain a reverence and respect for whatever that is that experience has been and that i pray i'm continue to be worthy of being in service of this. Does that make sense?
1: That is the mic drop moment. Yeah. A hundred percent. The first thing that I thought of when I saw your post with you there and I'm getting chills right now is Billie Holiday was there. Like I, it was like, I don't know who else could do this role. Like when I saw that picture and I heard this singing and I know who you are and what you've overcome and how you've lived your life, I'm like how can I not be there? Cuz I don't feel that I, I don't feel that I'm just going to see a live performance in theater. I got a download that I was there to be part of something that most people don't get to experience. Hmm. There's something divine. Hmm. In the pairing of you as Billie Holiday. And. I have never. And I've been to a lot of theater. I have never been more excited and counting down the days mm. and it's not that i get to watch you perform as billy holiday but i get to experience billy holiday through you
0: as god wills it that is so appreciated and that is my sincere and earnest intention uh, for every show, for every time I'm gifted with the opportunity to literally step into her shoes um, and that costume and, and to be a vessel for uh, sharing her story. And certainly tremendous actresses, artists have inhabited the role, and I, I feel very fortunate that I'm counted among those artists who've had that opportunity, because her story should be being shared by as many people as possible, and as many people as possible need to know uh, what she went through, because I also believe it's a great, it's great insight as to who we are as a culture. And I think now there's 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 been an opening, there's been a shift through the pandemic, through the lockdown, where we are having our time of reckoning. The director calls this, and I love it, he says it's a metaphorical blow to slavery. And that's a powerful intention. And that's a mantle that I feel honored and blessed to pick up. In the storytelling, you know, with my experiences being a Black woman growing up in American culture and the legacy that we're dealing with, this is an opportunity where people are now open to listening and to receiving that truth told through this artist, told through this human being. And um, to me, it's finding empathy for her, for her experience, what she lived through. And I think it's, it's, it's definitely, I think it's a potentially galvanizing one for anyone who comes um, into the sacred space of the theater to, uh, to be with us in that communion. And, and I do want it to be a communion with people. So um, I appreciate you opening up uh, 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 that conversation, Rob, um, and to acknowledge that. And I just wanted to say thank you. And I acknowledge that. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. You know, I've always said that I really wish I could have met Billie Holiday mm. and just be in her presence. And um just moments ago I'm like, "Wow. I get to."
0: We hope so. Most definitely, our earnest uh, attempt, every every performance, to never take it for granted. It's fascinating. I've had the opportunity to speak with people after the show who did know Billy, who were acquainted with her, and they would sit with me or I'd take the time to and they would share whatever story. Some were very hard stories to listen to. <laughs> Some were really hard stories um, because there were people who were who had met her. Uh, during her decline. Some people who saw her for the first time at a jazz festival, a man said to me, he said, it felt like she literally floated up the stairs to the stage, you know, and he was just so enamored of her. Um, and he was, I think he was like a bodyguard at one of her concerts or something. And, and uh, other people who were at shows or some people who worked with her. Um, I uh, had a, a man gift me with a, a book about Lester Young, recently um that he's been writing it's the first book out about lester young that is as comprehensive so i'm gaining insight from lester's point of view now about their relationship because it is such a seminal such a monumental relationship for her so it's you know it's a lifetime of learning about this human being in in every facet of her life and and all of those pieces i i just kind of feed into the machine and uh hopefully that's uh uh, that's also helping to literally flesh out uh, more of her humanity that I can bring um, that we can bring to this, uh, uh, this story.
1: Well, I am certainly looking forward to it. There are going to be links in the show notes on how to get tickets. They're going fast. Um, we actually, I actually looked at them last night to see for some friends that was going to invite them mm-hmm. and um, they are going fast. Uh, yeah. I'm so excited and I just can't thank you enough for taking time to be here how just you know I always and i I called you recently and I just said thank you it means a lot um just how nice you were to me oh. in high school and I don't forget it. And I just want to say thank you.
0: I'm so appreciative of that. Thank you, Rob, for inviting me to being willing to, to have this conversation and just for reconnecting. I'm, I really am I'm looking forward to talking more. And uh, and thank you to all of your listeners out there uh, in advance and uh, for sharing the time with us.
1: Absolutely. Carol Foreman, my longtime friend, <laughs> incredible, just heart-centered human being. Thank you for being on Life Transformation Radio.
0: Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Rob.
1: I'm Rob Actis. Until next time. This is Life Transformation Radio. Download complete.